You're listening to a Sunday sermon from Seven Mile Road Church in Melrose, Massachusetts, just north of Boston. To check out more about us, go to sevenmilemelrose.com. Today is the second of four Sundays of the Advent season, uh, and it's also our second week of our Advent, Advent series. And this is a time that we look back on and we celebrate the arrival of Christ. So during these four weeks leading up to Christmas, in this, this sermon series called The Fullness of Time, we look back and we see what God has done in sending forth his son. And, and he did all that to rescue his people. And we also gain hope by looking forward to the day when Jesus will return again as king to put away all sin, all tears, all death, and all pain. So as we do that, as we look back and as we look forward, we'll see that the peace and the joy and the hope and the love that arrived in Christ 2,000 years ago was not only for us then, but is also for us today and tomorrow. Earlier this fall, a running sneaker store in Paris called Distance, it's the name of the store, ran a one-day promotion called Rob It to Get It. The concept was that if you selected an item tagged with the sticker, and, and the sticker said Rob It to Get It, that if you, if you picked up that item and stole it, outrunning security, you got to keep the item. That was the promotion. You rob it to get it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, those are the normal rules for shoplifting. That's what you're thinking, right? What's different about this day is that they promised no police involvement. They promised no credit card charges and no criminal charges, regardless of whether you got caught. It was simple. The rules were simple. Rob it to get it. And now, as you would imagine, many customers thought it was a joke, but it was not a joke. For this one day in this one store, under this one circumstance, shoplifting was okay. Now, by the end of the day, 76 people tried to steal things. But trying was not enough. Because on this day, shoplifting was not about being smart enough, clever enough, smooth enough, or watching Ocean's Eleven way too many times. It was about none of those things. To get away, you had to be born with the ability to do so. You had to have pure speed because the store hired a new security guard that day. And this security guard was a professional sprinter who has run the 100-meter dash in 9.99 seconds and the 200-meter dash in 19.97. It's very fast, very fast. He caught people in the store. He caught people outside the front door. He even crossed traffic and intersections to run people down. So throughout the day, people used different strategies. Some tried to distract him with photo requests. Some waited until he was occupied with someone else. Others formed teams to create a diversion. By the end of the day, there were only two people who were successful thieves. And you can imagine, you can imagine how proud their families must have been as they recounted their victory over dinner. I stole stuff today, but it was cool. The security guard was fast, but he couldn't catch me. You can can imagine that. So everyone who walked into the running store that day during Rob It to Get It, the promotion, 
figured out pretty quickly that the, what they were going to need to steal something. And all but two people figured out that they didn't have it. They could try hard. They could, um, they could do whatever they wanted. They could plan, but they didn't have the speed to pull it off. They could try over and over. They still wouldn't have it. They could try a different strategy, but none of it made, like, made up for the fact that an Olympic-class sprinter was chasing them down, and they were never going to get away. He would always chase them down. When it comes to obeying God's law, because of how sin has entered the world with our first parents, through Adam and Eve, and because of how sin has invaded every part of our lives, and because of how we continue the cycle of sin in our daily lives now, whether it's the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses way back here, or whether it was, it was the expanding law of Deuteronomy that just grew the law, or whether it's um, the words of the prophets that are echoed down through the centuries, or whether it's something simple seeming, seemingly simple like love your neighbor, or love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or to always pray, or we can go on and on down the list. No matter what, we realize we can't pull off this law thing. We aren't born with what we need to get to obey. We can't earn righteousness from obeying the law of God or from doing works because we can't pull it off. And that's a problem because Jesus himself said these words, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we can feel the problem there. And we do feel it because it's wired deep in us that we need to obey the law. We all know we need peace with God. And we all know that, that that peace hinges on whether we obey him or not. And so when we're honest with ourselves, when distraction fades away, and w- when we're left in the quiet with our thoughts, in those times, none of us, none of our neighbors will deny that we need peace with God. Yet because of this brokenness that's in us due to sin, And because of our constant bend towards sin and away from God, we can't manage to obey the law, especially the heart of the law. So it ends up like a world-class sprinter bearing down on us as we try to run to peace with God. We try and we try and we try, but we can't outrun the law. So the law ends up being a curse for us. And we end up in chains And we can't change it because we can't make ourselves righteous and we can't pay for all that stuff. So like a shoplifter with our shoelaces tied together, we stay in the store and we try to be smooth. We try to be cool. We hope for a way out. But we can't escape the fact that this law shows our sin and leaves us hopeless. We can't get away so we can't get peace. And because we can't get peace... We start trying to manage things. And this is why our world is so full of advice. Everywhere you turn, you can get advice. And so we get suggestion after suggestion about how to act, about how to behave, about how to manage the circumstances that we've been given. But we never needed counsel. We don't need advice about how we should act. What we need is news. We need news of someone acting. 
someone else doing something that we could not to rectify the situation we've found ourselves in. That's what we need. We need news. We need good news. And so last week we heard the news that God sent forth his son. And we we heard that he did that when the fullness of time had come. And today we're going to hear even more about this good news. And and that's why we're in Galatians 4.4 again. Because there Paul continues writing about the news. And he writes like this. God sent forth his son, born of a woman. See, last week we focused on God's action in sending his son. This emphasis was critical because in that we see that God is the one that takes initiative. We did not step towards God. Instead, God stepped towards us. But there's even more here in this statement because there's this huge reality that the son of God, the son of God was sent into this world as a man. See, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the son of God, who existed before the world, was born of a woman into this world. The son has always been fully God. The son had always been with God. Yet Jesus was also fully man. Jesus was fully man because he was born of a woman. This is what Paul writes. It's what the scriptures attest to. But I want us to notice that even more than than Jesus being fully God and fully man, he's also historical He's fully historical. Jesus was born of a woman into this world and lived in this world. And this is hard for us to grasp because we live here in 2023 and there was distance and there's time and all those, these things. But let's, let's think for a moment about this reality that Jesus lived in this world. The same one that you and I live in. See, there is air in this world that was breathed in and breathed out by Jesus. Feel that proximity. There is water in this world that was used to baptize Jesus. Right? This is the world that Jesus was born into. There is dirt in this world that Jesus kicked off his feet. And this may seem so, so simple, but slow down for a moment. And consider that. Fully God, Jesus. Fully man, Jesus, is also fully historical. He was here. God sending forth his son is a reality that happened. That is not news, or that is news. That is not advice. That is not fiction. That is not fantasy. This statement from Paul that's on the screen that's in your scriptures is the most real and the most glorious thing that has ever happened and is the best of all news. God sent forth his son born of a woman. God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law. Paul continues. Born under the law. Born of a woman, born under the law. For hundreds of years, so much of the identity of the Jewish people, so much of their being a people living under God's wisdom and God's care and protection was tied up in keeping God's law. As a people born under the law and a people called to obey God, the law loomed large 
It loomed heavy with its legal requirements and with its demands. And we feel that too. As image bearers of God, created for relationship with him above all else, there's a great unrest in our souls. We feel it. And it, that deepens. And there's anxieties that increase when what we long for and what we want more than anything else, peace with God when that's not panning out. So we feel it when, we, when the desire and approval of God and, and peace with God is not there. See, we're made to be God's people. But because of sin, everything about us pulls away from him and pulls away from his law. And the problem is that the law does not evaporate or go away simply because we can't meet it. When keeping the law is the way we gain standing before God, proving ourselves to him is a never-ending task that we're never up to. So we desperately need news of someone like us, someone who can live as our representative under the law, who can also keep the law. We desperately need news that Jesus was sent into this world, born of a woman, born under the law, because then we could have someone to stand before God in our place. Then we could have peace. And so Paul continues and he says that we needed Jesus to be born of a woman. We needed him born under the law to redeem those under the law. And that's exactly why God sent forth his son. Jesus was born under the law and made himself subject to the law so that we could be freed from the law. For hundreds of years, God's people had been trying to free themselves from the law, right? That's what so much of our Bible is working through, been trying to free ourselves from the law. Sacrifice after sacrifice was offered, but nothing worked. Nothing earned them freedom. Nothing earned redemption. Nothing. Earlier this week, I entered some data in a spreadsheet a group of people were working on. It was collaborative, right? And I, I came back later and I found out that it had been erased before it accomplished what it had needed. I had done the work and I had put in the time, but it was as if I'd done nothing. No matter what man did to free himself from the law, no bit of freedom was earned. No part of the price of freedom was paid until God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. But God sent Jesus, God sent Jesus, who put himself under the law so that we might be free through faith in him. Like a free man who puts on the chains of a slave so that the slave would be free, Jesus stepped into the law to redeem us. And Jesus didn't stop working to purchase our redemption. He didn't stop from when he was born until he rose from the dead. Jesus kept going. Jesus did everything in his perfect life and in his perfect death and in his perfect resurrection to earn our redemption, to free us from the law so that there's nothing that we could add 
nothing we need to add. There's nothing we can add. Nothing else is necessary in order for us to stand righteous with God. Not a thing. Jesus paid it all, and there's nothing we can do to change that. Nothing. Martin Luther wrote, the law did everything to him, to Jesus, that it did to us. It accused us, and it terrified us. It subjected us to sin, death, and the wrath of God. And it condemned us with its judgment. And it had a right to do all this, for we all have sinned. But Christ committed no sin, and no guile was found on his lips. Therefore, he owed nothing to the law, and yet against him, so holy and righteous and blessed, the law raged as much as it does against us, accursed and condemned sinners. And it did so even more fiercely. It accused Jesus of blasphemy and sedition, It found him guilty in the sight of God of all the sins of the entire world. Finally, it so saddened and frightened him that he sweat blood. And eventually it sentenced him to death, even death on a cross. That's what we mean when we say Jesus paid it all to free us from the law. Jesus delivered us from the law so that we are no longer under the law. So there are no good works There's no amount of prayer. There's no perfect amount of giving or serving or Sunday church attendance that earns your righteousness or my righteousness so that we can have God's favor and blessing. There's none. There's no being nice to your brother. Kids, there's no being nice enough to your brother or obeying your parents. You should do both of those things. But there's no doing enough of those that makes you righteous before God. There's just not. There's nothing we can do to earn peace with God. But there is Jesus. And this is what Paul wrote in Philippians 2.8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's nothing we can do to earn peace with God. Nothing. But there is Jesus There's Jesus who suffered under the law until it cost him his life so that we could have peace with God. We have hope because Jesus redeemed those who were under the law. He redeemed you. He redeemed you. And he redeemed me. And he did so perfectly and with finality. Paul wrote this in Galatians 3.13. So a, a chapter before where we are, he writes... Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who who is hanged on a tree. Jesus Christ bore the law's curse even to death on a cross so that we could know God's peace. That is news. That's the news. That's the good news. Whatever unrest there is in your soul right now, advice is not the answer. Peace with God is. 
and peace with God is what Jesus has made a way for. You don't need advice, and I don't need advice, because Jesus has acted. The trick of the you rob it, you get it promotion I told you about is that it made it seem like merchandise was free. But it really wasn't free. It seemed like if you were smart enough, you get free shoes. It seemed like if you were clever enough, you get free shoes. In reality, you had to be born fast enough to get the free shoes. But even then, the shoplifters had to pay with performance. So it was really, you earn it, you get it. And all too often, this is how we think we gain God's approval. We think you earn it, you get it. And that's a trap. Because then we have to earn God's approval again tomorrow. And the next day, and when we mess up, again the next day, and next week, and before you know it, that's a whole lot of shoplifting. But that's not the news we need. And it's not the good news of Jesus. It's not. The good news of Jesus is that he's already run the race for you and me. And he's already earned peace with God. And he's done that for all who would believe in him. And this is why we get to celebrate his arrival 2,000 years ago. And this is why Christmas is so great. It's so great. Because when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. This is news that brings peace to you and to me and to all who will take hold of him. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, you can have peace with God because of Christ Jesus. No matter what you've done, you can have peace with God because of Christ Jesus. Nothing you have done puts you beyond his reach. Nothing you have done exhausts what God has done on your behalf. All you have to do is come to Jesus. Now, I know that that in itself can sound terrifying, but hear me out. Because God sent his son and approached us, we can approach him. Jesus came mightily when it came to his objective to free sinners from the law that imprisoned us. And Jesus came mightily in his goal to deliver us from Satan, sin, and death. But didn't Jesus come really meekly when he was born of a woman in a tiny village with no social status, with no economic clout? Did Jesus not make himself approachable? Did he not make himself approachable in how he came to rescue you? See, Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. But won't you approach him today and ask for his mercy and grace? Will you believe that good news? Paul's words today in the scripture, God's word to us today in the scripture is real simple, and it's this. 
Family, Jesus fully redeems you from the law. Jesus fully frees me from the law. Jesus grants us peace with God that will not end, but will extend to eternity. Jesus grants you peace with God that will only deepen, it will only increase, and it will fill you with joy today and tomorrow and forever. Let's pray now that we'll receive this peace, that we'll believe this peace.